Welcome to Feed the Machine. This podcast is designed to allow business people to share their stories. We will not only learn what they do and how they do it, but our interviews will include topics of mindset, grit, and overcoming obstacles. Get ready. Let's turn it on. Feed the machine. She's an outstanding real estate agent. She has a family. She's navigated life through good and bad really well. I've known uh, Verna Colioso from my days of high school. I mean, no, actually middle Middle. school. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about me being like a, a youngster and not only do I know her, but I, but her brothers and I were friends. And um, over the years, uh, Daniel Coliosho and Sola Coliosho, these are people that not just do we stay in contact, but these are guys that even will do things like uh, we've had Thanksgiving flag football day where we have like 30 different kids there. And we're absolutely just trying to give everybody a little bit of a good time before they sit down for turkey dinner. Well... Verna is, are you the sister? Are you the I'm only the girl? The sister, the wow. only, the one and only, heavily protected, well-adored oh, yes. sister. Uh, let me tell you, uh, the Verna's brothers are like, for sure, uh, superstars when it comes to scrapping. That's for Oh, sure. for sure. One of them was even nicknamed Scrap Dog, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, shout out to the, to the Colio Show brothers and, and uh, oh, and there's David Colio. There's show David too. and then there's Datsun. and I'm Man. I'm right there in the middle. Yeah. That's why I said heavily, heavily guarded, heavily and you adored. Were a runner and a sprinter. Ran track, played basketball, got into a little bit of everything, you know. When you're the only girl with four boys, you gotta do a lot to keep up. That's awesome. <laughs> well, today what we're gonna do is we are going to kind of talk about your career where it is today. I was privileged enough to see you in action leading a call, sixty agents or more. It was more than sixty agents. I even got messages from people that work for title companies. Basically part of your Zoom call meeting, you were talking about mindset, overcoming mm-hmm. fear, the requirement of how you position your mindset about failure. And, uh, and so I know we could talk about anything today, but just kind of to start out, let's talk about your career, what it is right now. Most definitely. So yeah, we enjoyed having you as by the way, and it's 60 agents who were on that zoom call, but it also got pushed down on our, our Facebook group. So over 540 agents is who we serve at Keller Williams Southwest here in Sugarland. And I am currently the assistant team lead. So I, I help with growth and development, coaching um, our agents and helping them to be the best that they can be, as well as um, talking to other agents outside of our office and and helping them become the best as they can be as well. I still have my real estate business. It's still trucking around. It's a real life group. And so I am still the CEO of that. And I'm excited to see where that's going to go as we continue to develop uh, over there. So. When it comes to being a realtor, anyone, you know, if you're listening to this and you're just a consumer, you've bought or sold a house or you're leasing and we've all been kind of hopefully subjected to some kind of a transaction. If you're living here in Texas, (laughs) absolutely. Yes. Seriously. And so Mm -hmm. for you to like go from, you know, whatever your life was like before the real estate began what was that like? What what kind of did you know going into your career 
that you were going to make kind of your mission? <laughs> That's kind of funny. So this is round two for my career in real estate. As a matter of fact, Warren, as you know, and you guys, as you're listening, Koliosho for sure does not sound American, right? So I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. And so when I first started real estate, I did not even know the career um, of a real estate agent even existed, right? We came from Nigeria. I've been here for quite some time. Like you said, I met you in middle school. And I wanted and knew about real estate investors and investments. And I knew about new home sales. That was my you know, extent of knowledge for real estate. So I was teaching and, you know, I did that. That was my first career, did that for about 13 years. And while teaching, I garnered a couple of teachers to get into becoming a real estate group for investment. We went to your Zig Ziglar's. We went Mm. to this convention. We started learning about this. And when it came to put uh, the rubber to meet the road, they all hopped out. Mm. (laughs) So here I am, 23, 24, and I'm like, well, is there something I should be afraid of? Like, what's going on? So I went to go purchase. I said, fine, I'll just go purchase my first home by myself. If it's an investment, it's an investment. If it's not, it's not. Didn't know anything about doing that. So went out there to try to purchase it. And here I am on a teacher's salary, single, no kids. Seemed to be decent enough. My credit was decent. And they told me, no. Mm. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why? And the woman could not answer me. Come to find out at that time, she had qualified me with just one bank and it was Bank of America, which was Mm. the hardest person to get approved from. Right. And I said, well, obviously she didn't know because she just doesn't know. Someone has to be able to give me answers. And that's when I started finding out about real estate as a career. Went to Champion School of Real Estate that summer. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Got my license in less than a month. And it became my mission to educate people Mm -hmm. so that they can um, get their dreams started. Right. Go find their piece of the pie here in the greater Houston area. So I did that part time. And but I didn't really have the same mission that I have now. So we'll talk about that. And if it looks like you. No, you go ahead. No, let's talk about it then. Let's, okay. go, let's go straight into the evolution of where you are now. Right, right. So I did that, you know, part-time, still was doing the teaching, but I knew that um, I wanted a legacy. And life started teaching me what type of legacy I wanted. And right? what do you, for us that just want a clarification, what do you mean by legacy? Something that's going to pass on, and for me, pass on to my children's children. So my great grandkids, right? Um, And so I look at it three ways. I want a spiritual legacy. I want a financial legacy. And I'm called to have a um, social legacy as well, right? And I think we're all called to do those things. Um, may, May not be four generations worth, but for sure three generations. And so through the process of time and living and going through my ups and downs and various portions within the education industry, I discovered that. And it took many depressive moments, unfortunately, Mm. to get there. And that's why I come out knowing your mindset matters, Mm. right? Your perspective on everything really shifts your action, right? Mm. So we are, we are inside people that live in live and project it on the outside and so we cannot tackle the things on our inside it's going to show up Mm -hmm. on the outside of us right and it was it was showing up and I've been in the faith right Mm -hmm. Um, I've understood it to a certain degree and at that moment I really started digging in a little bit better to understand well what is the purpose on my life and I knew I had purpose look I've fallen in a well with Daniel (laughs) I don't know if you remember that story 
You guys fell in a well? I was five. He was six. And how could there be two of y'all in a well? (laughs) (laughs) Daniel was leading the charge. (laughs) This was back home in Nigeria. Absolutely. Look, we were innovative. Claustrophobic, anybody? Right. Still still are. But it was a bigger well, right? It was one of these in our neighborhoods. And we, uh, Daniel and myself, he was six, I was five. We were constructing a a treehouse. And our treehouse was missing a very integral part, which was the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Daniel was like, look, I remember in the front of the neighborhood, there's a chicken coop type like door. We'll go over there. I'm like, okay, I'm game. So he took Solo with us. He's like two. Yeah. <laughs> and we start walking. This Nigeria. You can walk far. We walked over a mile and a half and went to the front of the neighborhood. And sure enough, the door was on the floor and there was a lot of things piled on top of it. So we started moving the things off and didn't know that they had piled it on top of it because they were trying to conceal um, that hole. Mm. Fell head first over 15 feet into some water. In Africa. (laughs) In Africa. In Africa. Uh, We were blessed. Uh, We were not hurt. Uh, We were unconscious. I don't know for how long. I remember waking up and it's dark. You can see the light up top, but it was very dark underneath. There's roaches, there's rats, there's this nasty moss. What we found out later is we had, this was our septic system. It was two sides. You had one that delivered clean water and it was um, attached to the one that takes out the sewage. Yeah, And they go counter each other. So when one is up, the other one should be down and vice versa. Well, Technically, the system broke right before we fell in. So it was supposed to be up, but it was down low. But it's what saved us. So obviously, the guardian angels Mm -hmm. made sure that you guys weren't in 15 feet of water. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And deadly. And deadly. There you go. It's this these synchronicities that you hear about that if you're a person of faith, you just feel like it's God, it's the universe. It's Absolutely. Your angels Absolutely. I mean, being five, you don't you don't think Anything. that way, right? Yeah. And you didn't understand or don't understand the gravity of what just potentially happened. Yeah. Like you almost died, yeah. right? We were stuck in there, I don't know how, for how long. We were calling for David and all this other good stuff. We eventually got out, but obviously. Um, but they <laughs> but, had to figure uh, out where you were, you know? Yeah, no one knew. And then you have a, a youngster. A we told Sola to go get our parents. Oh so now gosh. this two-year-old is walking two miles back home, wow. passes up our older brother, David, Wow. gets home and tells him we're playing by our uncle's house. Wow, that's incredible. Sola. <laughs> First, we, we, we forgot he was even there. Hey, and if Sola's <laughs> listening, that is some really good karma you earned, buddy, early on in life. Early on in life. Uh, we called his name. We're like, Sola, Sola. He finally pairs over. He has my doll in his hand. And he's no. like, huh? We're like, huh? Did yeah. you hear us screaming for yeah. help? Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you didn't call my name. That's awesome. <laughs> that is wild. And you know what? That's that's something right there. Sometimes we're always screaming for help, and we don't even call the right name. Yeah, you are so right. And you know what else? I was in the gym yesterday, and this lady, I was on the treadmill. This lady is, like, in a room over, you know, to the side. And I hear just a woman screaming the name of somebody, like, mm. Like, Erga, Erga. And, and what she really should have been saying is help. Because right? the barbell had just fallen <laughs> on her head. And I'm thinking, like, if you would have said help, all of us would have known. Maybe that she was. Suffering. Maybe it wasn't Erga and it was Ayuda, Ayuda. Yeah, that could <laughs> Which be. Means- <laughs> is that help in some other language? Help in Spanish. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I think. Well, 
bottom line is she uh, her friend showed up like her friend finally heard her but i i had no clue what was really going on until <laughs> i kind of looked around which was too late yeah but uh but yeah but she survived true. she, she survived, survived right he's all right but you're right it's about not sometimes it's about who you're calling for help from that's right that's right it matters yeah. it matters and it was it was somewhat the difference maker right yeah so, but fast forward back into just trials of life, getting you there. I, um, at the time I was married and one of my husband's favorite show was the, the, the walking dead. Yeah. And, um, I didn't really understand the show, but I, you know, I would join in with him and it was interesting to some extent, but you know, later episodes got <laughs> whack, but it was funny because I, I made a parallel in noticing people, I've counseled people from a very young age up till even now. And one of the things that I found was people were like the walking dead. They were constantly complaining about life and how work was consuming them or how this was that. They have the form of the living and yet everything that's coming out of their mouth and their energy is sucking the life out of everybody else. And they're not happy. And then, you know, in The Walking Dead, they're constantly trying to come up with these different things that's going to help you or determine if you're living or not living and who they're going to bring into their circle. And um, and I think we do that. I think we do that as a society, especially here, you know, in the States where we get to this point that we have a form of life as opposed to real life. Mm. And the difference maker in that, to me, real life is nothing without without Christ. Mm -hmm. You have to have that relationship. That is the name that you're going mm -hmm. to call. That is the thing that gives you sustenance and gives you purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and that purpose kind of becomes your vision. And that vision is your future. And that future pulls you through and aligns your actions and everything else that you do. So I started searching, like, what is my purpose? Obviously, I'm still living. I've had plenty of opportunities mm -hmm. to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm still living for something. And and so the first thing I started doing was assessing who am I? Who? What are my strengths, right? And I, I implore you, if you are sitting there, you're trying to figure it out, start there. Because if, if God is the creator and he's the one that gave you purpose, then he left you clues. I used to teach science. And in science, one of my favorite lessons was about structure and function. And um, it basically is stating this, that your structure kind of determines your function, right? The heart looks a certain way so that it can beat, right? Your lungs are this way and, and they feel this way and they're spongy so that they can fill themselves up with air. <clears throat> well, then I have a structure. And if I understood my structure, then I can kind of understand my function. Mm. And so um, I didn't want to just take my word for it. Like I've tapped into it and this is what I know. So I, then I polled my friends. I said, okay, what do you feel like are my strengths? Mm. And I look for commonalities. Mm. And from there I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's going to be somewhat of a counseling thing. It's going to be somewhat of an educating thing. It's gonna, and, and then your interest matters, right? So I'm also interested and in, I like real estate because at yeah. this point I had stepped away. I had a challenging pregnancy. So I couldn't get rid of the kids. So, yeah, you know. sure. You got to take care of them. Right. So I, I got rid of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> That's my daughter. Um, I was working on my master's, all that other good stuff. It was, it was, it was and tough. Life took a pause. Life took a pause for sure. At least real estate life took a pause. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I couldn't get rid of that. I had, so I had to come back to real estate because I know I like it. I know I love helping people. I adore going through homes. I think every home I walk in <laughs> or structure 
tells a story of the history of the people who've been there. And I love learning about people. So now the journey was, how do I put these two? And then I love to connect people to resources. Mm -hmm. How do I put all this together? And I didn't know it. I knew it was going to be about real life, but I didn't know exactly how I was going to do this. And I ended up having a uh, conversation with a lady who had done something kind of similar. And she was like, it makes complete sense. You can put all these things together. You just use real estate as a way to get, get in the door. And that's what I do. That's amazing. And so a couple of things that I heard you talk about, one is, is that there are people that are miserable and not only are they miserable, but they kind of puke their misery out <laughs> on everybody else. Great um, visual. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It's like, you know, the thing is, is if you're suffering in life, it is nice to talk to somebody and Mm -hmm. walk through it. That is so important. But the other thing is, if just the weather outside is causing you to tell your family how terrible it is Mm -hmm. outside and that it's hotter than hell and all this other stuff, that just kind of, it could take the fun out of life for some people, you know? And then there's other people, you talk to them and they feel, you know, they convey kind of a good vibe and Mm -hmm. there's possibilities. And how lucky are we to live in this world? Like when we wake up, you know, the sky is blue and there's really so much to be grateful for that if we just take inventory, it helps. But also what you were talking about was separating from real estate for a moment, focusing on your personal life with your daughter, making sure she's in good care, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of a forced uh, hiatus. But then when you come back, especially with your spirituality, Mm -hmm. you decided to redesign where real estate would. I had a purpose, purpose. It was Mm -hmm. greater than me. And it it essentially is not only myself living a real life, one Mm -hmm. that's very intentional, one Mm -hmm. that um, is worth living, Mm -hmm. uh, but helping other people live a real life as well and um, connecting them to the people and the things and the resources that they need to do that. Mm. And so now just talking about like my experience with you yesterday, mm-hmm. um, here it is, you're, you're doing research, you're finding inspirational stories, sharing mm-hmm. them with others, not because it sells real estate and not because it's really something that has to do with a profit center for you because there's no money attached to the meeting. No. This was really just a mission to share some positive uh, mental not mental, but just like mindset related strategies for your counterparts to Mm -hmm. benefit from. Look, Warren, I mean, you're here and I don't know where all your listeners are, but we just went through a winter storm that was devastating for people. And this is on top of COVID issues on top of not too long ago, a hurricane, you know, like it's a compoundment of so many different things that people and especially real estate agents can feel so defeated Mm -hmm. so defeated so how do you how do you breathe life back into that you know I gotta say there's something else that I was really surprised about which was there is a realtor I know she lives in Austin Mm -hmm. and when you I don't I don't know that I said that you could have other realtor friends, but I'm <laughs> just true. I'm just going to let that yeah, slide. Maybe exactly. you'll maybe you'll I edit this one out. But I don't know. So 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 here's what's interesting is if you're listening to this and you're not in the real estate business, you're probably like me where you're thinking, well, if you're in Austin, now all the property went up and you got inventory issues like should be a really great time to be a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. But what's so interesting is it's quite contrary because now when there is a property, even though you've got a great buyer, 
you've got 52 other real estate agents making an offer on the same day. And now, even though it's supposedly the great marketplace, you're suffering because it's oversaturational. This is, there's a shift in our real estate market, right? A lot of times we complain about the shift when it's a downshift, when there's not um, enough buyers there and it's a, you know, it's a buyer's market per se and, and uh, real estate agents are just hungry. Well, we don't have enough inventory. We don't have enough homes for sale and we have an excess of buyers. And this is around the time that a lot of people want to get into real estate, but this is the hardest time to get in it and actually do something um, worth celebrating, Mm -hmm. right? And so you really have to understand and have a purpose for why you're doing this. Not only that, you really have to have um, a great business partner um, as a broker that's going to help you through this storm that helps you understand how to move your business forward, even in a shifted market. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Every day you wake up as a real estate agent, if you don't have listings, if you don't have buyers, you're waking up pretty much unemployed for a minute. That is correct. Okay, and then the only <laughs> the only way there is a source of revenue is if you earn it. You've got to have some kind of value that people trust you with and are willing to say, you're my person, you're my realtor, it's your, it's, it's your professionalism, your character that I want to do business with. Absolutely. People do business with people they know, like, and trust, right? And so you feed the machine, right? So mm-hmm. you're constantly feeding this machine. You have to have a systematic way of processing this so that you have a household that you can keep putting things yeah. up with, right? Yeah. So you don't have dry spells. And so there's a way for you to do that, um, to constantly have a return on the investment of time and money that you keep putting into this business. Okay. So then you get on a call and and look, 62 real estate agents, there's probably 40,000. I don't know how many that are in Texas. God only knows, but yeah, there's close to 40,000 in Houston. Oh, 40,000 in Houston. Okay. That's Mm. a lot of people there. There is a majority of them aren't getting the transactions that they need. The majority of them aren't seeing where they're going. I'm a great person. I have Mm -hmm. great character. People who get to know me like me, but meanwhile, they're struggling in their career. They might be, they might have a spouse that's going, when are you going to make some money? Yeah. And and everyone's in a way when you're in business as an entrepreneur, people have their hands in your pocket, Mm -hmm. basically saying, Hey, what are you using for contact management? What are you using? What what are you promoting on social media? Are you Mm -hmm. boosting posts? There's costs. Yeah. And so in your role, especially as a team lead and someone who's been really doing this the the way you have over the last five years with Mm -hmm. Keller Williams, how has, what is your mentorship towards these real estate agents that are saying, what do I do right now? Like, how do I go from stagnant to actually activity? For sure. So I'm blessed to be with uh, aligned with a great business partner that has a lot of tools and resources to help those agents. Right. Um, but when you pare it down to the bare bones, it's just simple. You start with their database. These are people that you already know and who know you. And so we encourage them. We take a look at their ba- database and then we organize them and see, well, let's start with your top 50 and let's work that. How do we get in front of them? How do we have conversations? Let's just do a, a care call and check in with them. Right. And then we systematically create um, 
touch points to keep them engaged. And meanwhile, because you're always building the ship while flying it, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we have some tools that are out there that allows them to help like circle Building prospect. the ship while flying. That's it. real estate. I've never heard that before. I love it. Really? Yeah, I love that term. Never heard it before. You make me feel like a little. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, no, you're right. I, <laughs> yeah. well, what, if, what if you created it and you should? No, nah, no, nah, for sure did not. Don't, don't give me you? that. Mm -mm, don't. I love that. Mm -hmm. Building the ship. While you're flying it. Yeah. Like this plane that we are building, I, I'm building it and I'm flying it at the same time. Mm. And a lot of times that's most businesses, right? People don't understand you're first in a lead generating business, then you sell widgets right and so how do you go about lead genning and there's multiple ways to do that and now especially since your consumer in, in real estate um, is coming to you a little differently it's not like it's different because it's new it's just different in terms of intensity mm. uh, which is online so how do you meet that consumer where they are um, and beat them to the punch before they've actually raised their hands to say I'm ready to buy or sell mm. and so we teach about and, and work through videos you know um, doing things like this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, becoming that expert, not because you know everything, but because you're that resource to connect people to folks who do know. Wow. Right. And so working there, um, uh, heavy on the database. I've already said that. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to keep saying that. Mm -hmm. And as well as just um, you got to put out a grind and you have to build your knowledge. Mm -hmm. Just your real estate knowledge, period, um, is real key. You know, it's interesting because real estate agents can focus on marketing their business and completely be missing what they need to know about the true properties that are in their community. Yes. you. I mean, come on. People are trusting you because they trust you have the knowledge and expertise in it. Mm -hmm. You have to know your market. Even though I have the ATL role, I still constantly go and I said, how can I get this done? I only have 24 hours in the day. And then some of that I need to sleep. Some of that I need to yeah. have with my children. I'm yeah. cooking. I'm doing whatever else. Right. So I'm limited to the hours that I have to be productive in both ATL as well as my real life gig. So how do I do that with the time I already have? And so what I notice is, OK, well, I'm going to drive home. And my market is the Riverstone area is where I live. Mm -hmm. Right. Riverstone Heritage Colonies things around there, my baby's feeder schools. Okay. And so it's like, okay, what I can do is I can study the market on my way home. So I schedule um, home tours to go look and see what's new in the market, what's happening just on my way home. I just take my one hour. doesn't take me an hour to get I home. Just like, <laughs> and, and I do that. And then now it's time to cook. I jot down my notes. I do whatever, but it keeps me engaged and I'm not creating th anything different than what I've, uh, what I'm already doing. I'm just inserting something different into it. Interesting. And you know, I think what could be a, a bad sign for a real estate agent is when you don't enjoy looking at properties. Um, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. If you end up finding that you're in some part of your career where you've been doing it and it's no longer fun, you straight up in the beginning of this episode said that one of the things that you enjoy doing is looking at houses Yeah. and probably your ability to kind of see multiple home after home after home you and also having your own house you you know people sometimes you look at a house and you don't really know what it would be like to live there mm -hmm. even though you try to think about what it would be like mm -hmm. um and you buy and people can buy a house and go like i really hate this bathroom mm -hmm. i didn't know it that happens yeah, so, so <laughs> probably your ability to see so many homes and make this kind of disciplined effort has to help you in guiding 
these prospects. For sure. But just because you're a real estate agent that loses that doesn't mean you have to actually get out of real estate, right? So this is when you start leveraging. You know, in real estate, you're looking at three different things. You're looking at leads, you're looking at listings, and you're looking at leverage. So you can build this empire with those three things, right? So if you get to a point where... Home fatigue. We'll call it home fatigue. Home fatigue. (laughs) Home fatigue or any portion of real estate that can fatigue you out, right? That that robs you of your joy can be leveraged. Do the things that you like to do and leverage everything else out. Right. Um, and so that just comes with understanding where you are, you know, from a profit and loss statement, uh, you know, yeah. wise, and then, and then building your team from there. So, but so tell me a, a little return. bit about, why don't you walk me through and I don't want to make you brag, but I kind of do tell me about somebody that you've worked with that tapped you on the shoulder Maybe it was personally, maybe it was professionally. Um, obviously, you don't have to, you're not going to give me their names, but the whole point is is where being where someone being in your world mm-hmm. allowed you to take your life lessons, your professional intuition, and help not just it could be a competitor, but it might just be a teammate. Okay, so let me hear. Let me make sure. So, someone who allowed me into their world to help mold them. No, well, or, yeah, like almost someone who said, "Hey, Verna, I need help. Like I am struggling right now," and then you kind of, as a coach, come in and help identify a okay. few different things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, one just started blaring at me. Uh, so there is this lady who wanted to get into real estate, right? Um, so she was referred to me by her um, friend who was my former student. And so I um, sat down with her, allowed her to shadow me for the day, found out what her big why was, what she was looking to do, and then started connecting her to a couple of other um, sales uh, agencies for new home sales. And um, when she first got into it, she started working for Beezer. When she first got in there, like there was a target on her back. Like um, people were threatened by who she was because she was a former athlete. Um, She had had some successes, you know, going towards like the Olympics and things of that sort. And um, they just made her life really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to adjust because she was used to, um, working hard and then rising to the top. And at that time she wasn't rising to the top uh, because people were stealing things from her. And so I remember one day it was a pivotal moment uh, in our relationship and in her success where she is now. Uh, she was, she was in one of her new home properties in the closet crying. Mm. That's how mean they were being how, to her. Yeah, that is very hard. She to calls me up and I go meet her there. And we have a, I guess, come to Jesus moment on how not to allow people to determine what your future and what your life is going to look like. Um, how to rise above all of those different things and how to really tap into your source because Mm -hmm. God is her source, right? Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the person that he brought her there and he's going to be the person that's going to take her to the next level. Um, How to fight a specific situation that was going on between her and another counterpart who was supposed to be mentoring her. And then um, she put her big girl panties on, uh, swallowed the lesson, 
went and did the certain things that, you know, we talked about. And she's the number one sales rep. Wow. She overcame. She overcame to the point now when I go to another Beezer community and I say, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Works at, and they're just like, man, she is awesome. She yeah. is this. She is that. I mean, we had conversations after that. We talked about how to target her market, how to yeah. do different things. Yeah, right. Strategy, but, but it's a if you live your life sensitive to what other people think about you. Mm -hmm. Which it's hard, all of us it's do. Very it. hard, especially when you get in. I know, I know, we were talking social media and stuff, but when you do video on social media, you're really putting yourself out there. Yep. I mean, if your hair. And this is, society calls for that, right? They're always critiquing. Yeah, yeah. And so the thing is, though, is that you got to realize that the people that are judging you, you don't even want to be friends with them anyway, and it gives you a liber that liberates you. It's going mm -hmm. like. Like, like some of the stuff that I talk about in these podcasts is very vulnerable to me, mm -hmm. but I also think to myself, well, my friends are going to know me and yep. love me no matter what. Yep. And the people that don't know me that re it resonates with, that's a good thing. Uh, it, it means something because even if you help one person with what you're talking about, that's great. But then the people that are going to turn it into a negative, mm -hmm. like they're adding all of that. Like, right. you know, and so with what you're saying, I love the point of view of just saying like, look, if you're going to be tethered to other people's judgments, boy, how are you ever going to find you yourself? You can't live, right. You know, I learned that very early on and maybe not to the extent as which I delivered it to her, but being from another country mm -hmm. and in the time in which we came here, I remember being in the third and fourth grade and people were constantly making fun of my name mm -hmm. or they were making fun, not the Verna, that's, that's clean. You know the Aladuni, oh, yeah. okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and making fun of the names and asking me all these questions, and I would get so mad. They were like, yeah. "When did you first start wearing clothes?" I'm like, "Y'all don't wear clothes as babies up yeah, here." Yeah, I was dumbfounded, yeah. right? Yeah. Or did you ever have a lion as a monkey? Y'all got yeah. lions as yeah. pets here? Yeah, like, right. no, right. right? And I figured at that time that it's just um, ignorance, yeah. right? They just didn't understand about Nigeria. They went off of what they saw on TV. And it just came out. And and, the, and I think it happens to everyone. If you're if any little thing that isn't just perfect when you're a kid, people are going to pick you apart. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, does race drive that? I think so yeah. sometimes. But it doesn't always. It can be just anything where kids are freaking mean. <laughs> so you over. So the, I guess what you're saying right now, though, is very early on you had. I had to learn to yeah. disassociate myself from other people's opinion of who I'm supposed to be. Sure. And at first it came through rebellion and I was like, well, mm -hmm. I know what my name stands yeah. for. Right. Yeah. And then I said, well, that's not making me any better than them. Uh -huh. Right. By pulling them apart. And so uh, it wasn't until high school really that I was like, okay, I'm going to take a different approach yeah. on this. And uh, for the longest time, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really care what yeah. people thought about me. Yeah. Right. Not to say that if I'm being mean, please let yeah. me know. Right. Yeah. I'll be the first person to own up to whatever I'm doing but in terms of you didn't determine my value and you still don't right no it's great and I think there's so many people that you talking going back to being like walking zombies the walking dead mm -hmm. if you're unconsciously kind of walking through life and you're doing everything to kind of check the boxes of what you think was expected of you then you're not going to really find that joy mm -hmm. like you will if you decide to get really like treat yourself like a best friend, treat yourself right. 
um, as someone who deserves good things. And suddenly you can kind of have a different life experience. You know, it was a huge paradigm shift for me when, you know, I do a lot of things biblical, right? When I really internalize um, loving others as you love yourself. So there was a criteria to that, right? Because I would give so much of myself to other people, right? Um, and and at my sacrifice. And, um, and, but the criteria is love others as you love yourself. So you first have to love yourself, mm. right? You first mm. have to understand what that looks like and what to demand in terms of how people treat you. And then you can now in excess and the abundance love others, yeah. right? And so, um, yeah, that's changed a lot of how I approach life. Uh, the, the sacrifices I'm willing to make, uh, the people I choose to surround myself mm-hmm. with. And it's helped a lot. You know, me mm-hmm. recently just went through a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet my faith in Christ and that understanding that that marriage didn't determine my value or that person's, um, I guess, perception of who I was, because sure. it's his perception, uh, didn't determine my value. Uh, it allowed me to still have value while going through such a low moment yeah. in my life. And that's the thing. Uh, divorce is one of those things where, you know, we all do this. I mean, anyone who's listening to this does it. But you go through life and your imagination and you're concluding things like you're always imagining what life will be or what you're going for. And even when people give you directions, right, your your mind is making images that mm-hmm. attach to that. When you get divorced, those images now that you've been attached to or you thought were going to yes. be your, that laughing on the beach with that person is gone, right? Gone. And then maybe if you're moving out too, your shower is not your shower. Right. You know, it's 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 very equivalent to being a foster kid in yes. some ways because yes. you're going like, I don't recognize anything right your life completely changes and it is such it's almost like a tear Mm -hmm. in in everything because if you were really in marriage doing the marriage thing you were committed to seeing that all the way through so you couldn't envision anything else Mm -hmm. but that and now you're being forced to yeah so um one time i was in a yoga class and the (laughs) yoga instructor was telling this group which i was in the group was that even the lioness goes into the cave and licks her paw sometimes And what you're yeah. saying here is if it's very disconnecting, like like whether codependency is like a strong word to use, but when you're serving others yeah. and feeling like you're scoring points by just giving, giving, giving and mm-hmm. giving your last $5 and giving your last, the hour that you were going to relax, actually going and picking up someone from the airport. If you go down that track to the point that you're no good, you're yeah. exhausted, yeah. you are no longer going to be able to be there for others. Absolutely. And so it's a manner of uh, it's a matter of digesting and paying attention to what's really going on, and that requires not unconsciously living and being the walking That's dead. It. You have to be intentional. I, one of the things I've done in my real estate career that kind of speaks to that, but it's also my personal, right? Is I don't work on Saturdays, mm-hmm. right? And oh, I love that. You think real estate, you're like, that's yes. when everything happens. I'm yes. like, I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't that. work on Saturdays. That is my Sabbath. I don't even, I don't wash near dish. I don't mm-hmm. do nothing. That and is so great. I work hard every other day. And, um, 
I look forward to that Saturday and it, it, it truly refreshes my entire being. And it took a while to commit, you know, not the same. Like I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to not, I'm going to not. And then I, when I committed to it, I held to it. That's great. You know, it makes me think like the haters that are going to hate. That haters gone hate. <laughs> when you tell them like, hey, you know, I'm a six figure income earner and I'm a real estate agent. The haters are going to be like, I've, I sure hate it for her because she's got to work nights and weekends and have I no do not. time. See? I cut things off at six o'clock and, and, and so I'm off on Saturdays. How wonderful. And then so when you're life by design. your blessings, you're mm-hmm. going, you know what? Where else in life can I be with my family on exactly. a Saturday? Exactly. And here's the other thing. One more little thing about this. If you're someone who's ever just thought about being a realtor and you're going like, the only reason why I'm not going to do it is I don't want to work on a Saturday. Well, someone just told you they don't freaking work on Saturdays. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had friends that are real estate agents. I've known them. You know, I've seen it to where it's like, really? So no matter what time somebody wants something from you, you're going to always react. You're, you might think that's a great thing, but it will not help you have a great life. I understand that people have that as their business model, but I set the right expectations with my clients from the get go. And it's all about that. And people think that they're going to miss out uh, on a lot because of that. But it's quite the contrary. People can appreciate that from you, that you are conscious enough to pour into yourself to have a cutoff, and that you value your family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the script that you tell them, right? Because they value their family and they can understand that. Now, are there some one-off circumstances or whatever? Can I say I've never done something after six? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I work with clients who are doctors and they don't get off until whatever, right? Or they have this shift. So there are times, but in general, no. Mm. Okay. So let's go into the next segment of the episode where let's just kind of talk about you dealing with complicated things in life or possibly having upset where you're not comfortable even with all of your faith you're challenged at at the moment Mm -hmm. and for for those moments like is there something that comes to mind where you go like you know there was this point where life really was a challenge for me and then and then if you tell us about that maybe talk through your (laughs) mindset on how you ultimately dealt with it. Whew, yeah. Um, I think if this was a year ago, what I bring up would be probably different. But um, because it's basically about to be the anniversary of the time, for me, it was my divorce. You know, we're, we're going on a year for when that even was kind of brought to my forefront. Um, that was the most devastating thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and not only that, my business had taken a hit. Uh, I had pulled away a little bit because my dad was sick. Um, and I was going there to kind of help out. I had hired some uh, a, a person and then they just kind of left me mm. <laughs> while I was on vacation. Um, <laughs> and um, and then now you add on top of it this whole I want a divorce thing. And it's like, wait, what? Like we literally were pushing forward with uh, future plans Mm. and putting things in place just for the rug to kind of just be pulled up from underneath us. And um, and so for me, I was just falling. Um, If you've ever been in that state of just 
falling. You, you can't stand up because you haven't hit anything yet. There's nothing for you to brace yourself just on. It's just the beginning, right? And here it is, that's happening. And then all of a sudden COVID. Now I have to become a teacher again. So now my kids are at home. Mm-hmm. I'm still supposed to be having this career. I hadn't started with the ATL position. That didn't come until later, actually. And ATL is the team leader. The team leader. Yeah, position at, at Keller Williams. Um, <laughs> so now I'm back to being a teacher and I had started shifting my business to being a lot online in terms of my marketing and my advertising and had put some things in place. It just paid some, a good enough amount of money on some service just for my Facebook page to be hacked and shut down. What? My Instagram page was hacked and shut down. Everything, right? <laughs> my business ads, all of that stuff shut down down. I'm like, what else? Still falling, still falling. And, you know, you say the lioness and licking her paws. Um, I find it to be a blessing that uh, COVID and not to say anybody who's suffered from it or done anything or none of that stuff. I'm saying just the fact that this thing came and created a pause in a world allowed me to go into the cave and lick my paws. Right. And so um, my faith is what kept it there for my mindset, even though I was struggling with different things. And, you know, as a woman, you go through like what happened and you start asking, like, was it this? Was it that time I didn't cook dinner for, the-? you know, like yeah, you just right. you're 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 pulling everything apart trying to, to identify. trying to identify how right how did this happen Mm -hmm. and then I like to take ownership like I told you so Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what role did I play interesting that your your um your observant kind of way you are goes to self-evaluation yes where some people like we constantly just wish that they would just damn right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> no, that's great. Right, so go ahead. Yeah, so, most definitely. Did you first, do an inventory check. I did. On you? I did. So, I mean, all throughout my relationship, I did inventory checks, not just on me, just on the relationship right. how it's going. So, for sure, it's taken me like, what the heck happened? Yes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, for sure, I want to know because again, I was that kid that was like. I know I'm going to catch a whooping for this, but Mm -hmm. if it's this, this, and this, I'm going to do it. Right. (laughs) And so, um, so no, I'll take my licks if, if, if it's warranted. Right. And then I'll accept it. Even if it's not based on this being your calculated consequences. Yeah. I'll take my calculated consequences. Blindsided. 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 Um, and so, um, I had a scripture that I kind of held on to uh, that helped me kind of move forward through that to accept uh, the divorce itself. Um, But yeah, so I'm still falling, trying to figure out how to get out of this situation in terms of whatever. But you know what, Warren, through all of that, um, I had peace and I had joy. Um, I learned how to ask for help. Uh, because I learned early in life how not to ask for help, right? I'm a very independent woman. Um, I learned how to ask for help, even though for me, historically, people had not helped me even when I asked, because I'm not a big squeaker when it comes for help. I'm just going to ask one or two times. And because I'm always there for you, I feel like you're going to be there, but it hasn't happened, right? I understand. And so um, I learned how to ask for help, how to be very vulnerable in that asking for help. I mean, it's in tears, it's in this, and um, God allowed me to leverage so much. Um, And so it's like he took the the heavy yoke and he gave me his easy one. So although it was the worst year of my life, hands 
down, I have so much joy. Not joy like, oh, I'm happy he's gone. No, like it did not rock who I am at the core. Um, It did not determine my value. It did not determine my future and, um, and the things that myself and my kids are going to attain. Matter of fact, it actually enhanced it. Yeah, I'm sure. Because uh, the way I connect to this is I remember my first kind of few months living on my own Mm -hmm. after being married for so long. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, when the kids aren't there and you're not in, you're no longer married and you're just in like this silent house mm-hmm. for a moment that isn't really the house you've been in forever. Right. You're, you start squandering it a bit, a yeah. bit just because your stimulus is different. But, but what was like one of these kind of moments that I'll never forget was there was a certain point where it, it was a few months into like being alone. And I noticed like it was Super Bowl Sunday. I didn't really feel like socializing, mm-hmm. but I was reading a book with the Super Bowl on all by myself and really going like I was experiencing like this really wonderful, like, I'm so glad I'm home alone. Right? <laughs> and, uh, I didn't feel this, all this, this neuroses that I had created yeah. about my kids. The angst and all yeah. of that. Yeah. Or, or like, or the other thing is, is do my kids really need me every day? You know, like when you're, you, when you become a parent, you're going, I'm going to be there for my kids every day of their life, no matter what they need. But the truth is, is that sometimes by your absence, you're giving them new experience mm-hmm. and maybe in some cases not screwing them up completely because <laughs> there is something to being independent and dealing with uh, contrast and right. adversity. So I get it. Like I, I, there is something very, uh, it feels like you can actually uh, be proud of yourself when you feel that solidarity mm-hmm. and it's self-created, but just between you and God. Yeah. So, um, so one of the, the things that I also want to ask you is, so I do know your brothers. I can't believe I forgot David there for a minute, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of damn brothers. A lot. When, and, then you got, <laughs> and then you have all these family members and like the thing about, your family and i'm talking about your brothers and is that i'm sure they want to protect you i'm sure Mm. they're always wanting to know things Mm -hmm. and you've got to be the one to decide what they get to know and what they don't yeah um i love my brothers they are like the best ever um one of the things when this went down uh they were surprised as well. And you know, my brothers, you said they were scrappy. They had to refrain themselves. I want to know what they did. Oh, they for sure had to refrain themselves because they, they looked at it to, you know, their old ways Mm -hmm. (laughs) were coming back and, but they looked at it. This is a great lesson for people. Yeah. I mean, highly capable. I want to say these these brothers, when I say they're scrappy, I'm talking about if Daniel Coliosha weighed all of 75 pounds, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the 150 pound bully was poking at his face. That bully Take got him down. knocked out. Take him down. Like yeah. I don't know if a Superman punch was created yet. Yeah. But Daniel Koliosha damn did one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take them down yeah Yeah. i mean and they're still in i mean they've been protecting me all their lives right so they're still in protective mode but they had to refrain themselves and one of the things they wrap that frame around is just the simple fact where one i don't not love 
my ex, sure. right? So that didn't go away just because I was put to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these these children, so their nieces and nephew, their niece and nephew is that's their father, right? Mm-hmm. So they for sure had to refrain that. Yeah, um, you gotta, we're adults. We gotta think about this. And, 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 think and really, and I, I'm I'm really being a little facetious with all the physicality, <laughs> stuff, but really, like if you think about, but it, don't test them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you think about it, whenever it comes to uh, to family and dealing with struggles, the people you love the most and that love you the most are the ones that it actually could add a little drama drama to it. Yes. Yes. You know, and um, you know, uh, my ex did not want to speak to them. Right. Like, said like he didn't want to speak to them and eventually in the move because they helped me move all but David of course he's in Connecticut but um with the move they started talking to him he was talking as if nothing Mm -hmm. happened like there's Mm -hmm. nothing and my brothers went with it right um because they know how to separate themselves from certain things now that made them even matter right because you didn't understand the level of infraction that you just had on this family and if you know me and as my brothers know me and how I am as a wife and as a person, it just made it deeper, like the, the, the infraction itself. And so um, they helped out. But it's it's funny. I, I say I love my brothers when they've stepped up because, in a sense, I went back to Koyosho, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so they swallowed me back up. They all have their own wives. They all have all this. But they made sure I was whole. My kids mm-hmm. were whole, um, taking care, helping me move, helping me repair, helping me do all these things. Yeah. And though I'm capable of doing it because, you know, they made me, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, they helped out. But I remember one thing I did as I'm settled in my new place is I called a meeting of the brothers and um, had David on, on speaker on there. All but dot. But, um, and I asked them, I said, what do y'all think I should do? This is my financial situation. This is how many, how much I have in savings. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, you know, a decent amount. Um, This is, you know, what the future looks like in terms of what I'm trying to get done. This is this and this and that. So what do you suggest? So it was like, you do this. Daniel was like, you take this and I can take. So he started taking some money and investing in it. David with his finance background was like, take half of that money, split it and do this with it, you know, whatever, whatever. And I took the wisdom of their council and started, right. As opposed to saying, I'm going to handle this on my, by myself. You, you, you mentioned, I don't know if this was on um, audio or not, that we, often think we're in this by ourselves Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's because we create that island Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. right and so I'm like no they're they're wise let me garner some of their wisdom and apply this to the situation especially since I'm I could be traumatized right this is this is something huge and I might not be thinking straight that's right because a lot of times we don't know how affected we are in the middle of whatever the traumatic absolutely okay let me ask you this um well i just want i i just want to throw out a point of view and have you just tell me what you think about it but it's like when you are connected with an unconditional love to other humans right Mm -hmm. like your brothers and i'm sure you have other people you work with and whatnot don't you think that sometimes the universe, God, whatever you want to say, things are being moved for you in a positive way, even though you're not the one making the move? For sure. And what for would sure. you say? Like, So one thing would be for these brothers to have um, sympathy for you at a moment and really um, condolences for you and also have some feelings of 
not my sister. I don't want my sister to suffer. But then there's the other thing of them going like, okay, she's getting her shit together. She's going to put her ducks in a row. And then they're mentally um, projecting ways that your your next six months are going to go, your next 12 months. Thoughts are things mm-hmm. and words are things. And then there are actions other people take on our behalf or mm-hmm. introductions they make. Let me tell you about that. Um, and even going back to just this last year, right? Uh, so, so Sola's advice was that, okay, um, I know you have a real estate business and, it, and it's doing fine, but because you had another income, just go get some form of a job, even if it's temporary. So you know you can check off because you're going to go through a time where you're questioning, do you have enough, right? Or can you make this thing go? Whereas before you used to lean on your other half for, well, I know they got it. And so um, I was like, okay, well, I don't have the fortitude to go do another job, but but I know I have um, education as a background. So I was like, okay, um, put it down. So this all started occurring right in March. So there was the COVID. February, mm-hmm, February, I, COVID shutdown happened two days after I moved into my place, right? So but in February, you know, it's kind of I learned in January at the very end in February, it was like setting in and the George Floyd thing happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And it started opening up a lot of conversations and changes and mm-hmm. things going on. Right. So I remember it because it was while I'm going through this whole thing. OK, so um, so it tells me then I that was the last thing I did was find a, another job because I like my life (laughs) the way it was. Right. And so, okay, fast forward, I'm going through the stuff. I'm utilizing some of my savings. I'm making some money with my real estate business and everything else. I had done everything else. The other brothers had kind of suggested to do. And it was just that part. And it kept like resonating in the back of my mind um, over and over again. I said, okay, well, I'll go do it. I'll maybe I'll go. That's that resistance, especially as an entrepreneur, because you're going like, if I'm going to go spend an hour anywhere, I might as well just do, do my job harder. Right. That's. And then on the flip side, and this is for everybody where we feel the resistance sometimes is where we have some kind of programming that needs to be retooled. Yes. Yes. And I had to retool it because I haven't worked for somebody and I don't like, seven years yeah. right um and then I was looking at it and I was like okay education because I can always pull that card so like go work for HCC or the this and I'm like but I have a specific thing I want to do with my children so how does a, that allow me to be present okay so we're fast forwarding now we're close to um November right the divorce is not finalized yet we're still in the process actually October um the guy who had my position <laughs> Uh, prior to now, he hadn't even been there for a year yet. And I had interviewed for this position because my leadership recognized me the year before. But because of priorities, part of those priorities mm-hmm. and those dreams and visions went mm-hmm. with the husband, right? Sure. Um, I couldn't. And I was like, I'm flattered. And I ex- I explored it because I'm just not in the position to do that. And so this gentleman was right. And so he was there. Um, he's an African American man. Um, shout outs to Keith. Um, (laughs) and so, okay, so here we are, he's almost about to fulfill a year, but because of certain things that happen, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying this to take away from who he is and the fact that he is a great leader. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously he had to be great for them to even promote him, but part of the doors were open because of what happened with George Floyd. And as my company 
Keller Williams as a whole mm-hmm. are reevaluating instances where they have not provided enough opportunities for people of color. His name was pulled. Wow. And so in his name being pulled, the position is there. Now, I didn't think anything of it. Right. How, how interesting. Something great happening for this mentor then opened up a space. And then and the space when I have now opened up my space to accept it in. Yeah. Right. True. It changed the story for change the story. Then the other little thing is the George Floyd thing. No matter where you're at, you got to realize that a company like Keller Williams and this is going along with a lot of uh, just people in general companies. But you evaluate, you Mm self-evaluate that and you start going like, could we be doing a better job? Right. Right. And that's what happened. Right. And so it opened up some other opportunities that may have been un, um, hidden in mm-hmm. a sense. Right. And um, and he's rocking it where he is now. And I didn't think anything of it. Like my mind didn't straight go to, oh, I could go and apply for mm-hmm. that position. Right. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I was just like, good job. You know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And happy so for happy for him. And so we get into it as I'm still trying to force this education thing to move mm-hmm. forward. I was like, why don't I just go? Sit mm-hmm. for that. They wanted me before, yeah. right? And so I approached my team lead um, and told him, I'm like, hey, has anybody, like, have you given this position away already? He was like, no, nah, you'll be the first to interview. So mm. went in there. Um, then, of course, I've already interviewed for the majority of it oh, already. Yeah. And so um, it's funny, like we have two assistant team leads for the first time ever. um, And I love my partnership with that gentleman. Um, But I was offered this position the day my uh, divorce was finalized. Wow. In the morning. Something with your five minute Zoom divorce. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big man. That is amazing. (laughs) But, you know, um, those things like that, like that symbolism, mm-hmm. I think means something. It this, means a lot. Like in yeah. life has been doing nothing but taking off since then. Right. I have I am no longer fallen. I had stopped falling yeah. a while back. But now it's like the direction is up. Yeah. And um, and this position, I I fully love it because it just takes my my mission of real life mm-hmm. and that vision of real life. And I'm now affecting so many more people yeah. like it. it, it um, it's an exponential growth in just yeah. a flick of a, a button. Else. So that's I'm great. Excited. And and that's what you know, life can get really fun when you look for symbolism or look for these little signs. Right. Like whether you're a big fan of butterflies or you lo- have a favorite number, mm-hmm. there's, it's always great to see it. And you just can ask yourself like, is it like, am I, I must be on the right path. Mm-hmm. You know, like how great one d- chapter is closing and another chapter is opening. Mm-hmm. Within and four- I didn't have to give up my business. No, to do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and you've, and you've really done so well. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate we can't just keep talking all day, I know. but we can do this again. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I, I would love to come again. Yeah, we can uh, figure out what the next topic is going to be. But, yeah. but I think what I love about today and what we're talking about is really it's your story. It's the fact that, well, right now, your success, your mentorship, your ability to impact the community and follow it, follow it along your way, mm-hmm. right? Do it the way you want to. You're doing that, but at the same time, it's not like you just had some candy lifestyle. Where, oh, for sure not. Yeah, there's no, there's been struggles. Going through struggles. 
for sure. Well, thank you. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, um, how, what's the best way to find you on LinkedIn or Facebook? So on or? LinkedIn, I'm Verna Colioso Johnson. I can spell that K O L E O S H O hyphen Johnson. Um, on Facebook and on Instagram, I'm real life HTX living, um, as well as on YouTube. You can follow me there as well. And, um, if you just want to give me a call, you can reach out at 281-658-7012. And I will put all of Verna's information on the show notes so you can click and connect. And, uh, well, Verna Colioso, thank you. Thanks, Warren. That's awesome. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.